I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next interview is with Brett Geller, and we had a blast, or at least I did, I'm pretty sure Brett did too, talking about his new CBC film called The Internet of Everything. And you can check out more uh, about the work that Brett's been doing uh, on and around the internet for the last few years on his website. Check him out, brettgaylor.com. Brett and I get into a whole lot of things. I mean, his film is is really quite brilliant in so many ways. He's really um, it's it's uh, it's it's thoughtful. It's it's sensible. It's balanced for all the right reasons, and it really raises some questions that are that are clearly essential. I think actually to to us, and and when I say us, I mean all of us. You know, draw a circle around the globe. Uh, moving forward to all of us moving forward in a healthy and a relational way that's that's rooted in uh, unison how's that brett hopefully if you're listening uh, you just smiled so so stay tuned coming right up just a, a, a fun interesting conversation we talk about uh, gadgets and we talk about 3d printing and why that matters we talk about activism and learning how to respond in a crisis and we talk about uh, advertising on the internet and in a di- digital arms race what pray tell is that and ubiquitous computing and and why it, it's why it's important to to ask the right questions about uh, what this thing called the internet really is and you know 30 years in um it seems like uh, maybe it's a bit late but but as we'll find out um it's not really about being good or bad or neutral it's really about um these things called legal guardrails which i i mean i just love that phrase and 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 ethics and and making wise decisions and so so check it out listen in i think you're going to really enjoy uh, not only uh, the interview but the film as well and don't forget davidpecklive.com for more information about my speaking and writing you can order a copy of real changes incremental there if you want i would love it if you did that actually but uh, 
consider booking me to, to speak at, at an event you've got coming up in the not-so-distant future. I'd love that, too. And don't forget that you can also advertise on Face to Face if you're interested in doing that. We've got a, a, a newsletter that goes out once a month, shout-outs during the, the podcast, of course. You can also advertise online. And um, don't forget, I also appear on Rabble, rabble.ca. There's a whole, uh, a whole host of other uh, writers and journalists and thinkers and podcasters there, too. But Face to Face also appears online on rabble.ca. So, so check that out. And, and please share, share this with your friends and your family. Sign up for the newsletter. And um, oh, and I would, we'd love, love it if you would support us on Patreon. We've got a couple uh, of, of sponsors there now, not many, but we have a few. We would love that. You can find us there uh, on Patreon.com. And if you can't do that, and I totally get that, folks, I would really appreciate it. And I know what a uh, pain in the neck it is, but I would love for you to leave a review on iTunes uh, for Face to Face Live. I would really appreciate that. I want to create, continue to create some digital noise about this podcast and about this. In this conversation that I've got going on. Uh, stay tuned. Brett Gaylor coming right up, the internet of everything. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by a very special guest here with us today, uh, talking about his new film, The Internet of Everything. I can't wait to dive into this for so many, uh, I guess, relational and digital reasons. But we've got Brett Gaylor with us here today uh, on Face to Face. Uh, Brett, thanks so much for for joining us. Thank you, David. I'm happy to be here. So so what's so funny, Brett, is, you know, the interview would have started about 20 minutes ago if we hadn't had so many technical problems. Uh, and <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure that I... most, the most fascinating one was the what, static electricity off your beard. Is that right? Or... Yeah, well, I know I'm, I normally don't have a beard, but, I'm, <laughs> you know, I've been I haven't left my house. I, see, I haven't left my house for months because I've been editing this film. So I feel right. like I have to jump on people. But, yeah, the, the beard's getting a little long. Okay. Uh, I also have too many, too many computers in this room. Um, so yeah, it took me surrounded by technology. The mm-hmm. ironies abound. Yep. So I'm feeling less of a human being because I didn't have diapers that were connected <laughs> to the internet. Tell me a bit about the film and what you've been doing with your life for the last, I'm going to guess 10 or 12 years, at least, if not more. Oh, and by the way, folks, uh, um, uh, ch- check them out, brettgaylor.com uh, online. If, if you want to learn more about them and you're, you're pretty socially mediated right you're on facebook and twitter and the i'm socially mediated for sure i mean um i have actually been on the internet before there was the world wide web um, oh, and are uh, you are you bragging now it's, it's yeah i was gonna say it's a humble brag but it's <laughs> that's, that's just right. a pretty explicit full-on <laughs> brag yeah i'd say that's pretty explicit, i have been yeah. on the internet before longer than you um, I, bet, I bet you and, have and you know uh i have always really felt that the internet is kind of the the thing that's guided all the work I've done, whether uh, that's been making films or as an activist or, you know, making the internet itself, which I've, um, I spent about 10 years working for the Mozilla Foundation, which are the folks who make the Firefox web browser, which oh, okay. um, yep. Firefox is actually the, what became of Netscape. If you ever remember Netscape. I do remember Netscape. Yeah. yeah. And Netscape, came from Mosaic, which was uh, invented by scientists that wanted to help the world share all of its knowledge. So the original kind of um, ethos of the internet has always really uh, resonated with me and has driven my work. So this film is kind of the third uh, in a trilogy that I've been making about how the internet evolved. 
um, when I lived in Montreal in the early 2000s, I made a film that was about the kind of emerging remix and folk culture that the internet was was enabling and also the kind of tensions between people that were downloading um, all of this, you know, suddenly all of the world's knowledge was available for free. Um, and that was, you know, caused a lot of tension between, uh, you know, the cultural industries uh, and this sort of new power and ability we had to share knowledge. So at that time, I was really um, celebrating the internet and celebrating the mm -hmm. ways that it was changing our lives. Um, like I said, I went to work uh, for an internet organization for many years. And over that time, you know, from when the film came out, which was in, about, which was in 2009, but it took me a long time to make it. So, you know, the early 2000s, then to the, you know, the mid 20 teens, um, the kind of the the internet really started to change, and a lot of that was due to the fact that it needed to have a business model, uh, and the business model that became settled on was advertising. And you know, the reason that people like advertising on the internet is because you can, instead of you know targeting, you know, having an advertisement that's to the world and hoping that it works, you try to target individuals. So I could say I want to target you know men named david who live in toronto who make podcasts and odds are i would reach you uh, on facebook but in order to do that and to know that i just have to collect a lot of information about you right and so this kind of created an arms race online right where all these mm -hmm. companies were starting Funny. to compete with each other to find Digital arms race yeah right well it was like you know, Google was like, no, we can know we, we have the ways to um, provide the most relevant uh, content to people because we know what they're searching for. And then Facebook was like, well, we might be able to deliver more relevant advertising because we know what people like and who they're talking to. And then this just sort of began to escalate and all suddenly all this information was being collected about us. And of course, that became. Uh, something that governments could use to surveil us or to actually influence us. And that was the subject of a, a series that I made in 2015 called Do Not Track, which was a personalized documentary. So it actually used some of this data that was collected about you uh, to make the series. And then, um, you know, time went by from 2015 to now. What I noticed was that we were entering this this phase um, that the nerd in me wants to call the era of ubiquitous computing, where it's not just, you know, your, you know, your home computer or your laptop or your phone that's being connected to the internet. Now it's starting to be all of these objects, you know? So uh, <laughs> you mentioned the internet connected diapers, which is a real thing that I, that I saw when making this film or um more probably more relatable to folks are the Amazon Alexas and the Google Homes that seem to be um, in everybody's kitchen, which is essentially a microphone that's listening all the time and sending data about us to, you know, the richest companies in the world, which if you'd probably asked us 10 or 15 years ago, if that would ever happen, we'd be like, of course not. Why would yeah, I, why way. would I do that? Why would I, why would I have a microphone built into my toilet? Yeah. Like imagine if the yeah. cops came to you and said like, Hey, we're going to put this mic in your toilet 
uh, in your kitchen, but we'll only ever use it if we need to. Are you okay with that? You'd be like, absolutely not. But we seem... By the way, Brett, when you asked the 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 uh, the guy at the CES convention, he seemed a little ticked at you when you asked him the, con- the question about the about the. I don't about, know. Maybe yeah, he like, why would I want? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the internet. The, like the he was surprised. Yeah, he was surprised at you. What do you mean? Yeah, this is, like, this hey. is a genius invention. <laughs> yeah, like normally. Well, I guess we actually all oftentimes people do bring the internet into their bathrooms, which was his point. He was like, people are already using the internet they're when they're in here, yeah. if you know what I mean. So why and not make it easier? So we, yeah, exactly. Let's just let's just facilitate that. Let's just make it easier. Let's just put that microphone right in the toilet. So, so funny, funny bit. Uh, so years ago, I remember you know stopping at the odd hotel, uh, driving through the states with my family, and if the if the um, if the washroom had a phone in it, like that was uber cool. Right. If oh, it really? had like, oh, yeah, for me, like, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm maybe a little older than you, but, but I remember also uh, a few years ago doing an event at the, I don't know if it's called the Trump Plaza here, but anyway, Trump's Hotel in Toronto and, and, and using one of the toilets. And it was probably the closest I, I could get to the toilet you were talking about with that guy yeah. in the film. And I mean, it had a fan and a heated seat and the whole works. And yeah. Like, you thought like, this, man, this is awesome. I'm a yeah. big deal. That's right. <laughs> and now anybody can do it. You can just shout into the air. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, come on, Fitbits for your vagina, uh, yep. diapers connected to the internet. I mean, it's pretty wild where we're going. And I think, I mean, what I love about your film is it, it and by the way, congratulations. I don't think I've, I've congratulated you, but I love the film and I hope everybody sees it because there's something really, I think, sensible and, and fun and balanced about the film, if that makes sense. And, and I don't mean balance in a negative way, because sometimes a balance just means mediocre that's not what i mean at all but but you you start with this hey you remember when this is what the internet was supposed to be mm-hmm. and then you kind of take us through this 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 fun ride of holy cow this is this is this getting out of hand or at least i i would imagine as a filmmaker and as a, as you say as an activist and i'd love to hear more about that by the way but you're getting us to ask some questions that maybe we should be asking a little more often yeah, and I think that that was another thing that, um, well, first of all, thanks uh, for watching it. And the, you know, one of the things I noticed as I wanted to make it is, is sort of just at the time that we were realizing that, you know, not all of the things that the internet has enabled or um, sort of introduced into our society are necessarily positive. Right. Right. Um, Hey, you you know, we we didn't used to be able to book an empty, you know, flat in Paris on the other side of the world instantly for like super cheap. And that is cool. And there are sort of impacts of that that we sort of don't necessarily realize until after we've connected that thing. And so that was kind of the the thing that the sort of interrogation and the question that I had at first was like, hey, you know, now that we've noticed that there's some things about the Internet that we don't like, like maybe all this sort of misinformation or we, something weird happened there with the elections in 20 um, whatever. And, um, you know, now that we're noticing that, that there can be there, there can be things like filter bubbles where you're getting all your mm-hmm. news from maybe not reliable sources. What happens when we do start? having some of those impacts and those un- unintended consequences really um, when they move into maybe more 
critical things, you know, like the way that our cities are run or the way that we get food or the way that we, um, you know, conduct our democracy. And so that's kind of the, what I wanted to explore as the film progressed. It does start, you know, in a really silly place, which is the Consumer Electronics Show, which is known as this, you know, the most absurd things are going to be there. But it's sort of the leading edge of, um, of what where you, we're heading. Yeah, where we're heading. And and then um, through that started to meet um, some startups, like you said, who were who were building these products and sort of beginning to wrestle with some of those ethical dilemmas. Um, one of the characters in the film, she has created a fertility tracking device for women to be able to track um, when they're most fertile, right? Which, you know, w- women have done forever to be able to sort of sure. track their yeah. cycle and all this. But, you know, her point was that the data um, about that can be really useful to to, to women who are trying to conceive and it's such a hard thing to do. And there's such an industry that's created from this. Why not give the power to individuals to be able to, to track control of your body, which is laudable. And then on the other hand, you're starting to see that some of the ways that our bodies are being tracked and monitored are being used in exploitive ways. Sure. Uh, yep. You know, um, insurers are starting to, to say like, Hey, if you wear this Fitbit, um, will offer you a lower rate for your insurance. Well, the whole the whole CPAP um, uh, se- sequence, right? Yeah, yeah. Sequence. Poor guy. I mean, it's yeah, poor guy, and and kind of unsettling, really, when you think about it. On one hand, I suppose the insurance companies are, are raising their hands and applauding because this 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 is going to save them, I suppose, a lot of money in the long run. But on the other hand, I mean, you know, I've, I've, I've got friends who, who are gleefully, and I might be one of them in the, in the very near future, talking about how they get to track packages that come to their mm-hmm. door and they can watch the, the FedEx uh, guy or gal come to the door with the box and drop it off and make sure they don't, you know, spray paint any yeah. graffiti on their door because it's such a common thing, right? I mean, but, but anyway, very pleased about the fact that they've got a camera in their doorbell. Well, you know, well, so that's fast forward 20 years to everyone with a camera in their well, doorbell. Well, that's the thing. Now, what are we talking about? And, right? um, you know, not. I'll, I'll be shameless here. It, we you made have a, a camera fi- in your doorbell, Brad? Well, I did put one there. So <laughs> it, it, we have the film itself, and then we have these additional episodes that we've created oh, more fun. in a YouTube style. Oh, I don't oh, know if cool. you've had a chance to see those, but those are going to come out this not. weekend. And oh, one of them awesome. is actually specifically about this phenomenon of the ring doorbell. So. Mm. Right. Uh, by the way, how about a quick how about a quick plug? Uh, CB, uh, film film's going to be airing uh, March 2020 on CBC uh, Gem, right? Yeah, it's going to be on TV, but also on Gem, so you can watch it at at any time. Um, the Internet of Everything. The Internet of Everything, and you're working yeah. on some some international distribution, I would imagine. We are, yeah. No, I've been really excited. This is one of the first films that I've sort of made that's um, really specifically for TV. We tried to kind of embrace the TV format, um, and uh, um, so it's yeah, it's in in I think it's going to be in Israel and Norway and Spain and. Uh, it's so I, great. Yeah, well, but, I've got but, listeners all over the world, so it's uh, let's let's hope they all get access to. And you know what's so crazy? I've done, as my listeners know, a fair bit of traveling, and I work in international development. And and what's so amazing to me, and this is this is the laudable side, I think, of this notion of how you end the film. Let's share what we know. Uh, I can be in northern Cambodia in here and and probably could watch your film. Yeah, and I think right? that that's we we can't out in a out in a field, right? Yeah. Like that's pretty darn cool. It is pretty, pretty darn cool. Pretty nice. And and 
you know, I think right now during the pandemic, we also realized that like the internet is critical infrastructure to the planet full stop. We need to make sure everybody has the internet. So this film, you know, spoiler alert, is not saying that the answer to all this, you know, ubiquitous computing and potential for surveillance and, you know, terrible dynamics of disruption are the answer is to, to, to unplug the internet. It's not, we need the internet um, to, we need the internet to communicate and it, it does bring us closer together uh, just like you mentioned. And I think that this is an age where we need to learn how to respond to crises. Mm. We're in one right now. Can you imagine what this would be like without the internet, without right. being able to find trusted information? Sure, there is a lot of misinformation going around right now, unfortunately. And so, but the answer to that isn't to unplug the internet. It's to it's to create norms and laws and practices and intentions that make sense for the fact that we now live in a world that where everything is completely connected. So, you know, so you're not you're not snake pluskin at the end of uh, Escape from L.A. <laughs> When he, when he hit when he hits the button, and it all it all comes to an end, right? And we yeah, got, and, we got, and we got to years. We got to start over. I mean, if I could be Snake, I would. I mean, that that's a uh, that's kind of a tough trade off. I mean, that, it is a bit of a trade off. Such a badass. Patch, I mean, I, I, <laughs> if I could be that guy, would I that's unplug right. the internet in order to be that guy? Maybe. No, I wouldn't. Maybe. Um, yeah. you you know. And then it, well, that's it, that's what I love about your film. I mean, I, I think this is you know because so often, or well, your film, your critique, your 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 questions, your your analysis of it, it's it 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 could be seen as being you know pretty critical, pretty negative, but really, truthfully, it's full of hope and it's full of you know your your comment. We need to learn how to respond to a crisis, you know, and and we seem to be doing fairly well at it, I suppose, globally. Uh, not in some parts of the world, they're failing miserably, but 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 we seem to be coming around. So ultimately, I guess after this crisis passes, we'll have people that are going to go anti-globalization and then there'll be lots going pro, right? Uh, look, look what it did for us. Look what it didn't do for us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that, you know, what, what, what we're learning right now is that we need to work in unison. We need to work together. Mm, and the internet right. is a tool that facilitates that, right? For yeah, sure. It's great. So it's there's great. that. There's just that, you know, information sharing, organizing. You know, <laughs> I remember talking to one of my colleagues in the US a few years ago that was worked in a different sort of sector of philanthropy. And he said that, yeah, the internet is kind of like the Ohio of social movements. You sort of need it to win. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> right, okay, right, uh, right, so right, that's right. pretty US uh, metaphor, but I get what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, sure, and it sure. is, you know, like we, we right. need that. Yep. And, yep. And, and then the one of the places that we sort of went into the film about the way that the internet can actually respond to the climate crisis um, is not just in connecting us for information, but it actually can allow us to produce physical things in different ways. And so this was this notion that um, Jeremy Rifkin, who is a, an economist, I read his books and got a chance to interview him. And he sort of has theorized that the internet of things is uh, an infrastructure for what he calls the third industrial revolution. Some economists call this the fourth industrial revolution, but let's just go with the third. Uh, and what he's saying is that any kind of industrial revolution will always have three kind of key technologies that will come together, which are communications and energy and 
um, mobility and logistics. And so in the first industrial revolution, we had like coal was the energy, the railways was the logistics, and the communications technology was the printing press, which was enabled by the steam-powered press from the coal. Boom, that changed the world. Um, that created basically these nation states. This this totally basically led to a full embracing of capitalism. The second industrial revolution was largely about oil. And the oil created, um, the, that was the new energy and it created the capacity to create the internal combustion engine and the cars. And we saw what that did. It enabled sort of a mass consumption. The tele, the television and the, and the telephone were the communications revolution that also connected our world in a in a new way. And what he's proposing is that what we're entering now is a third industrial revolution where the communications technology is obviously the internet, which is connected to everyone around the world. The energy, we are on the cusp of being able to embrace renewable energy. And the thing about renewable energy is that users of the renewable energy become kind of, they, it works like the internet in a way, like you are the decentralized node of the energy. You can send energy back to, to people. Um, and then with all of this connection, we the mobility and the sort of supply chain infrastructure changes as well, because um, anybody can access those supply chains in the same way that you can, like I can send you a GIF, um, but you know now you can access those supply chains. So it, it could enable tons of new businesses, tons of new ways of, of, of getting your goods to market. But imagine what happens when all of that technology is also connected to things like 3D printers, which are essentially the you know, machines that can make stuff. And so if I could use all that infrastructure and I could send you in Toronto, or if you were in Cambodia, you know, my designs for a chair and rather than having to ship that chair from Cambodia to Victoria, BC, I just basically said mm -hmm. like, hey, do you want this chair? And you're like, yeah, I want this chair. I sent you the chair of the internet and then you printed that chair with your CNC machine or your 3D printer. Think of all of the environmental costs that have just been eliminated or reduced. You know, there's no shipping that thing to the warehouse and then the warehouse ships it you know, drives it to the, you know, tanker put, and then the tanker sends it overseas. Ikea out of business. Well, shit, yeah. And it will put a lot of things out of business and it will be incredibly disruptive. And this is the age of disruption and resilience well, and, that we live and, in. And Brett, forget about the chair. How about the um, the, the, the miniature hard valve? This happened. So apparently yeah. there was yeah, a I'm story sure about is. this yeah. um, in Italy where these fab labs which is, you know, you'll see them in the film uh, in Barcelona. Right, but by the, the way, I love the line. I love the line from How to Make to How to Grow uh, at, at near the end of the film. It's just so cool. Yeah, Barcelona is, is really inspiring. They have these uh, fab labs and they have a goal that they want to, they want to do the stuff I was just talking about. They want to be, they want to have it so that everything in the city is made locally in 40 years, which sounds nuts, mm. but like so did, the entire world that we live in right now sounded nuts, you know, in the 1980s. Um, and so, uh, yeah, what, what I was saying about Italy was these fab labs, apparently those ventilator machines that everyone's worried that they don't have enough of. Another thing that they don't have is the valves that go in those and then attach to masks on your face. And that's the perfect thing to 3D print, right? Um, so you, it's just plastic that, you know, the machine kind of prints like a dot matrix printer. They got the designs from that from some other fab lab and they made them. But then what happened was the, the 
person who owned the patent on that design actually sued them, which is such bullshit. Um, but it just goes to show that like right now we have these laws and these norms and these systems that are, you know, set up for a different time. And we're now starting to see the same tensions that we saw, you know, with this transmitting of digital information that came up in my film rip, this is starting to happen with stuff with like atoms instead of bits, which is totally fascinating and um, is going to make us live in even more interesting times. Well, to say that it's going to change everything is the understatement of the century. It's, it's like changing everything on a daily basis, a weekly basis. It's just mm-hmm. so, you know, you, that you, ubiquity of uh, the ubiquitousness of change. How's that? For a <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a, a tough title. one to say. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, so here just before, you know, two days before things sort of hit the fan from a, a COVID perspective. A few days ago, my wife and uh, her mom and her brother they were going to go to Ireland walking trip. They they pull the plug and they're mm-hmm. kind of feeling, oh, maybe we shouldn't. We should have gone. And so, and then within forty eight hours, it all hits the fan. And yeah. people are coming home, and so it was totally the right decision. Forty eight hours before that decision, I was you know doing something you know because I'm a thoughtful husband and stuff, and 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 I sent three chocolate bars, local handmade chocolate bars from a local store to the bed and breakfast where they were going to be staying. And as it turns out, they, they never arrived. And so Geraldine gets my 31 euros worth of chocolate to enjoy mm-hmm. over coffee the, the, the morning that my wife and, and her mom were supposed to arrive. I guess what the point of my story is if the, the, the fun and the beauty and the simplicity of the internet mm-hmm. and, and the, and the, and, and and that laudability factor, you know, the the goodness that that is coming out of this, the global goodness that is coming. You know, I love your phrase about unison speaking and get and glo- globally gathering. What does that actually mean for us? But you bring something up in the middle of the film that I think you know it's around that that CPAP situation, the notion of compliance and so on. And you talk about somebody talks about legal guardrails. Mm-hmm. Might e- might even be you and you know that notion of con- convenience over nightmare. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's think about how hard it would have been for me to send three bars of chocolate to to have communicated that how expensive that would have been the phone calls etc 20 years ago or well maybe not 20 but let's say 30 done in a matter of minutes i've paid for it it's there they've actually handwritten a card i mean it's crazy talk right yeah yeah um now i'm boasting by the way brett Um, so (laughs) so anyway but yeah so we got this this beautiful thing in front of us the the internet of things the internet of everything there's opportunity and potential and then we've got our critics and and frankly we don't need our critics we just we don't have to look too far to see how how sideways things can have go, gone yeah. and can go and seem to be going in the this sequence where you interview that that um, young woman in asia and china i believe and she's so proud it seems of of everything her government knows about her yeah this shows she's she's yeah. participating in her city's um social credit program which which uh, is great on one on one one level level, right you know it's like so just for folks who aren't familiar with it in some chinese cities and they're starting to implement this nationally um, karma points yeah well there are these sort of points that you get if you behave pro-socially so if you they'll give you a point if you exercise if you reduce your carbon by taking public transit if you donate blood if you help uh seniors right you get these points in your app 
And then those points can be traded for like, hey, you can use the local bicycle sharing system for free, or you can trade it in for a book at the library or, you know, whatever, like that the city can offer for their services. Um, but at the same time, Alibaba, which is kind of like their, it's like Amazon plus bank plus Twitter plus Facebook, all in one thing. Um, they also have a, a, a credit system that's based on what you buy and, and how you behave on that social network. So using sort of inference in the same way that, you know, Facebook infers things that you like from your activity, right? These algorithms, same thing with like, you know, you ever watched a show, like a crime show on Netflix and it keeps recommending those things to you? Well, that's, that's how right. those yep. algorithms work, yep. right? So, so that algorithm is saying like, oh, if this person likes this person and that person we know is good and that person we know is bad, they're, they're going to make a judgment about you because, you know, China sort of, they don't, they, they until recently haven't had the same sort of credit systems that we've had, right. That are sort of, that are uh, by credit. I mean, like, you know, your credit rating and your credit cards and all that sort of stuff. They haven't had that. So they're like, how about we just use the digital society to do that? And that does sound great, but it also is something that they are using to, you know, um, enforce things that they f they feel are antisocial, like criticizing your government. So you know, if if everything is controlled by this one platform, and it, when, when I was in China, like cash does not exist; everything happens digitally. Um, then you know you can't buy a ticket for a train, you can't get a mortgage, you're not allowed into this club, you can't get a job, right? And we're sort of that's an example of, of well, it's of, the, of, the, the of, dystopic edge of it is just. It, it just it's i mean we're we're there we're standing there yeah we're we? there i mean that 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 does exist uh, on earth today it's you know if you're in china you sort of have a different perspective of it and you think well like what what's your plan you know north america to address the climate crisis let everybody do what they want <laughs> you know right, so, right, so right, it's right. sort of like uh you're like oh yeah you're right uh maybe being able to drive oh, these huge trucks so down the road sucks so what I love though is so we're back we're back sort of I've, I've studied philosophy for years we're, we're we're back in an ethical world now so we're talking about legal guardrails we're talking about uh, you bring up this yeah. notion of data broker brokers and and I mean if if we're I don't know if we're philosopher kings are we going to be okay is that is that the answer like I, you know so as long as it doesn't go sideways and who defines what sideways is well we right? do and we have that's, that's the thing so. You know, I remember I asked Nellie Bowles, who's who's in the film right. as sort of um, an expert voice. She's a tech reporter for the New York Times. And I, you know, in the interview I did with her, I was like, hey, you know, um, Nellie, is the Internet good or bad? And she's like, <laughs> you know, you are asking the wrong question. You can't sort of define the Internet as this specific technology, dude, in the same way that maybe you did in the early 2000s when you were like so excited that you were, you know. You know, 200 people had the web browser that you had. It's just everywhere now. It is embedded in everything. Yep. So what we need is to like have our institutions catch up to this new reality mm. to like create, you know, um, so like change happens according to Larry Lessig, who's, uh, um, who's in my first film by these four forces that influence people, you know, it's uh, laws, you know, norms, um, code is one thing that he would say, um, and markets. So they kind of all work off of each other. So like, if we all think that it's creepy that Facebook, um, you know, gathers certain information about us, that's a norm that we just decide, hey, we're not going to share information about our kids, 
right? And so then they'll be like, oh, maybe we should change a feature. So that becomes the code influencing. And then if all those things are happening, then maybe politicians say like, hey, we should enforce this with a law because that's what people want. And those people, and then those people vote for us. So then we have a law. And then if you have the law, that makes it so there's like market conditions for an alternative to Facebook or that Facebook actually has to respond to the market by, by changing. And in, in fairness to Facebook, they have done that, you know, like after Cambridge Analytica and after all this public backlash, which wouldn't happen without journalists and civil society actors forcing them to, they, you know, it's not, you can't do a lot of the things that you used to be able to do on Facebook. I know this because I made a documentary that, tr that was able to get your Facebook data. You know, we, we, we got access to, the things that your friends liked because Facebook used to allow that in the platform. Right, right. And, and then they turned that off, you know? Um, and so it's a long way of answering your question, David, but like what we just need to do is make sure that, and you, you are seeing this in Europe, right? And you are starting to see it in Canada too. And in parts of the U S that like, Hey, let's, let's just acknowledge that we, that digital society is civil society. Now we, 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 we can't treat the things that happen online as this sort of separate thing that like only market forces are going to influence. And we have to let Silicon Valley just do what they do because we don't really understand them anyway. And, uh, you know, they, they need to be able to move fast. And, and, you know, as they used to say on Facebook, move fast and break things, you know, like just go, go, go. And that I think those days are over. We have to be able to say like, no, you actually have to, you know, there's there's laws about how much data you can collect, about how long you can keep it, about what kind of data can be put on a physical device, about what happens with kids, about what happens when, you know, all of these things that we're just sort of starting to realize and sort of grapple with. The challenge, of course, as we all know, is that this stuff moves so fast, but we just can't be despondent about that. We have to just sort of be, just we just have to react. And we in, in the, just in the same way with, human rights, you know, you just need a strong civil society and you need, you know, people that are informed and you need all, all the stuff that, you know, every other documentarian that you get to talk to believes around their issue. We need to think that way about the internet too. Well, Sorry, digital... man, rant, rant over. No. <laughs> wow. Are you done yet, Brad? Holy cow. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So, you know, I'm totally kidding. This is, and what I hate is we're at 32 minutes and, and we're, we're going to wrap up soon. And it's, so maybe, maybe we're going to have to do a part two. I'm going to go back and watch your other couple films. I mean, this is, for me, this is a university class in the making here. I mean, this is, this is brilliant. It's just, it's, it's wonderful stuff. I love it. So, so, for, so then, you know, you 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 specifically, very intentionally show us Barcelona, this this middle sort of space. I think what was what was the phrase you, you used between a, a corporate experiment and a, and right corporate experiment and a surveillance state, uh, and you show us this middle ground, this beautiful uh, how to make and how uh, not how to make but how to grow ground. Mm -hmm. It's not too late then. In, I, in, yeah, in, no, I, I don't think so at all. I, I mean, I think that. Um... And I don't. I hope this isn't interpreted as opportunity, but I think this moment we are in right now with the with the pandemic is really like, hey, we need to make sure that the decisions that are made that, and that we accept are those that are in the public interest. And so that's what I saw in, you know, in Barcelona, and you see this more in Europe, is that this this the cities and the you know the entities that are controlled by citizens, they take control of the, of the digital society. Mm. So in Barcelona, they actually own the fiber that runs through right. the streets. They, they um, encourage and sort of give 
economic opportunity to people that are trying to experiment with these new business models and economic models. And, and, and they, all the data that's collected by the city is in sort of a, a trust. And, and so that's the kind of middle path, right? It's like, on the one hand, you have, you know, you know, corporations, and I'm not saying that you, that the corporations are, you know, don't, don't have a role here, but we just have to recognize when what they're doing is for private interest and, and to make money, right? you know, and maybe those, those that like profit motive shouldn't be, you know, um, in control of like things like housing or even. Well, it's not the only driving factor, it's right? Not the and only I think this, factor. Is, this is the, this is what makes me crazy is the polarization of pretty much everything, right? Yeah. It's, it's either or. Well, hang on. I mean, and I love that, you know, you, you end the film with let's share what we know that this whole idea of what the web started out as almost, almost relational in a sense. Right, this idea that that uh, this, I mean, the, 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 when you when you share something, presupposition is you're giving something to somebody else. It seems to me, right? Yeah. So, I think so that, we start in a pretty good place. Yeah, and right? the thing about that sharing is, you know, I think it was like, um, I forget which of the founding fathers in the it was Jefferson. Yeah, he has this quote that like an idea is like uh, a candle or a flame that like if I light your candle from my candle, um, the flame doesn't go away. We both still have it. And digital technology is kind of like that, you know, it's a way mm. that you're sharing, but it's not, it's, there's an abundance to it that we right. have to sort of, uh, that, that can, that can be something that we can harness for the public good, you know? And, you know, when we can, well, and that's, and that's kind of what the, the, the folks in Barcelona are, are certainly looking at, and I'm sure others are too, but the idea of the data becoming a common good right and serving yeah. the people right and, and, not, not just profit it's about the people and look at wikipedia you know like that mm. is probably the best example we have of something that it is in a commons uh it is you know it is free to the world and we just can't imagine life without wikipedia now it is uh you know it's it is a global repository of everything that we've ever learned and know and it's built by people and owned by people and we, you know Great. So that's the way that we're, that's one way that we can maintain and preserve knowledge going forward. How, where do we, can we apply some of that thinking into, you know, uh, things, the way that a city is run about the transportation networks, about all these things that the internet is starting to move into about health, you know, um, what lessons can we learn from the things that we like about the way the internet is working and right. it's enabled and what things, what are the sort of danger well, signs that we say like, Hey, that was a shit show. Let's not do that again. That's not, the, let's not do that again. And there's somebody near the end of the film and I can't remember their name, but talking about AI and, and, and the question sort of is, well, hang on a minute. Should we even be going there? It may be as a better question. Should we even be doing that in the first place? And I think you raise a great question, you know, about the human body. Should it, should it be off limits? Right. You know, and, let's have and the I question. Think, let's have the yeah. conversation anyway. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so just as we wrap up, um, I'm really interested to know of all the bits of business and the pieces of tech that you saw, what, 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 what did you pick up or <laughs> what are you die? What are you dying to have? Oh, right. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, um, the, is it, is it the, di is it the diaper? Is, is it, <laughs> is it that Fitbit? What, I mean, I, mean, I, I wish I, I bought a drone in China, but you know, I didn't go, I bought the cheap one in it. It crashed right away. It feels like it would be useful right about now. Um, right. Yeah, no, it's a good question. What did I find 
useful. I mean, um, hey, Google, what is the most interesting thing that I found on my trip? Sorry, I'm not sure how to help. Ah, useless. <laughs> That's uh, a perfect way to end <laughs> a conversation about the internet of everything. That's hysterical. Uh, ultimately, Google failed. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and if I just walked upstairs and asked my wife, she would have told me like, oh, oh yeah. yeah. She's like, well, the, she, she knows and the kids know that the, yeah. the Amazon Alexa is useless. Um, they, what are they, they, they like, you know what they, they like is the ability to turn the lights on and off. They find yeah. that. That's pretty handy. But you know what? I'm going to plug one of our episodes where we actually yeah, look please. at what the carbon cost of just having an Alexa be at your beck and call oh, waiting to I process bet. this stuff is, is higher I than bet. you think. Oh, speak, speaking of the, the the extra episodes, we never did wrap up, and that's my fault entirely. Uh, but the the doorbell camera, you were talking about extra episodes. On, is that, yeah. that going to be available? Uh, CBC Gem, by the way, folks, it's it's going to be available pretty much hopefully everywhere soon, but definitely you can catch it on CBC um, and Gem online. Tell me about those extras and a little bit about the, the camera episode because yeah. you were going down a particular path, and then we can wrap up and maybe ask Google another question. <laughs> yeah, so the episode that we did around the doorbell cam um, – sort of looked at these ring cameras. So ring is, you've probably seen them before. They, they replace your doorbell and you press the button to ring the doorbell and on your phone or your tablet or your connected device, you can see who's at the front door. Sounds awesome. Um, but what we're starting to see in some communities, um, particularly south of the border, is that th- that those systems are actually starting to be used by the police who um, can request access to the footage of your phone, right? Um, and so, again, you've sort of willingly attached the surveillance device to your house. Um, they, 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 <laughs> yeah, so they, they, they create um, yeah. in this app, this, they sort of connect all the neighbors who also have these. And what some folks are saying is that these are actually leading to much higher calls um, that are worried about sort of suspicious people in their mm, neighborhood. And those are right. often people of color. So in a lot of the way that, th- that these are sort of sold to you is like, Hey, you know, see something, say something. If there's someone in your neighborhood that you don't like, you should do this. And that's exactly what we should be stepping away from. Cultural should, fear, man. Yeah. Cultural we should, fear. you've probably seen some of this in, in the last week, right? It's like, we should be going to our neighbor and saying like, Hey, I don't know you. We've never talked. Are you Okay. You know, Cory Cory Doctorow, he has this great thing about he writes all these post-apocalyptic books and he has this quote about like, you know, uh, in the apocalypse, do you come over to your neighbor's house with a shotgun or a covered dish? And, Mm. you know, uh, if you think that everybody is going to answer that it's the shotgun, then you wouldn't bring the covered dish. Um, But if you just assume if everybody brings the covered dish, which is like, you know, kindness, then the person with the shotgun will be like, oh, well, they're not a threat. And so eventually everyone will just be kind to each other. And that's kind of what we need to be moving towards is not, you know, this adopting the sort of mechanics of surveillance. We need to, you know, we need to like lean in first to sharing and lean in first mm-hmm. to uh, to being kind to one another. I knew it. You were just an idealist all along. Uh-huh. I knew it. I knew it. For sure. 
a higher purpose still, I think you ask right out of the gate, don't you, at the beginning of the film? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think that that's beautiful. what... No, I love it, man. I, I'm, I'm a, I call myself a hopeful cynic. And, and, <laughs> and you know, you, you, you got to look at sort of the what's on the table, what's the evidence saying, what's history saying, et cetera. It's not looking great on some... But I love, again, I just wanted a shout out again, congrats on the film and a shout out to the, 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 the sensible balance and the wisdom behind the way you present this internet of, of, of everything. Hey, and, thanks, Dave. That's, yeah, that's really kind. No, so shout out to to all the folks who made it with me because I made mm, it with nice. my friends at I Still Film in Montreal, who are an amazing uh, social documentary production company, istillfilm.com. They've got lots of films out right now. And just for listeners, this is a year to support independent makers. We need Absolutely. you help and we need... You know, uh, we need to know that there's still an audience because we're not probably going to see you in front of us for a little bit. For a little um, bit. Who knows yeah. eh, how this is all going to play out? It's pretty crazy. Brett, I, I've had so much fun. I'm, yeah, I'm watching I'm, I'm watching the time, the, the counter go by here. Want to keep going. But you know what? Maybe we can work on a part two. Congrats again. And uh, folks, uh, check it out. CBC Gem online. And it's Brett Gaylor, G-A-Y. L-O-R, yes, brettgaylor.com for more info uh, about Brett. We've been talking with Brett today about his uh, new doc film. Great, brilliant piece uh, called The Internet of Everything. Check it out. Brett, thanks so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Thank you, David. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.